Hello friends, this is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10-12 to minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. Scott Simpson, right? That's your name? I can't remember. You just so, like, barged onto my computer. I didn't invite you here or anything. Scott Simpson <laughs> at Nubile Numbers um, on with, Twitter. Nimble with numbers. Mm, I'm going to stick with Nubile Numbers. Um, <laughs> it's N I M B L E W N U M B E R S on Twitter. Definitely worth following because not only is he spitting the hot fantasy football content, but also occasionally you get to see him, you know. Uh, com- I don't even know what to call those pictures, but uh, rosing it up like uh, Rose from the Titanic, uh, only yeah. with a rose in your mouth and on complete display from the world, or incredibly funny skit videos that you do that I think uh, TikTok inspired, or they're on TikTok as well. But Scott, what do you do? Like, what what do, what do you do? <laughs> I, I I try to do everything. I think that that's what I try to do. Uh, you know, full time dad. Uh, full-time teacher, though not teaching right now, always educating. As an educator, I'm always out there. Uh, my cap is never off. Once a teacher, always a teacher. Um, now, though, I'm trying to con- conquer a new world in fantasy football. And, uh, you know, I- I've got a few different bullets in my gun. I've got the, uh, like you said, the, the, the artist side, you know, the unmentionables, the Costanza side, <laughs> the videos. But then, you know, really uh, – when you get down, you get through all the fluff and the fun. Hope you come for the fun. Stay for the for the data. You know, I'm a real big data guy. I think that uh, data drives what we do. And uh, there's an element that we've, you know, the, the nerd uh, element that I think is is a great thing. I'm a nerd. I've been a nerd. I've I've always. I'm not gonna lie. I've always loved math. I've always I loved. Knew it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was my favorite <laughs> subject growing up. But then I did take a hiatus. I, I read Lord of the Flies, and I I understood I needed to kind of. Uh, I wasn't there yet. I needed to bone up on on my English, and so I've I've done both. I you know I can read One Piece, I can read Les Mis, and then I can also break down uh you know the the ADP value of wide receivers and look at their target share and go that that's not a good value. We we need to increase their value. Uh, and yes, I'm talking about Robert Woods as soon as we start. <laughs> okay, we went pretty deeply there into your literary history. I love it. Um. Dynasty or redraft, both. You some both. kind of weird hybrid. I do both. You some yeah, kind so of traitor I, to both sides. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm 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 never accepted in either community, which is hilarious. Yeah, uh, we, I, we're not going to accept you. Just sorry. No, no. Detain it so, there. So here, so here's what happened: is that last year uh, there was uh, in the midst of my my existential crisis as a 40 year old, uh, I uh, was on Twitter one morning at like 6:30, and uh, my friend Eric. Uh, I think EK Baller, shout out. He uh, just tweeted out, hey, I need somebody in uh, my, my fantasy, my dynasty leagues. Are, he, you know, somebody dropped off, and I said, sure, I'll do it. I'll jump in. I don't have any dynasty experience. I played the rest of the season. I think I won all the rest of the games. Uh, I had Miles Sanders on my team. I had Tevin Coleman, Amari Cooper, Tyree Kill. Uh, I didn't, my quarterbacks aren't great, but I was like, this is, this is good. I like this. I like, I like the longevity of it. I want to be part of a, of a community, so let me do it. 
and, and jump in. Fast forward now, I'm in 20 dynasty leagues. So you can't say I'm not here because I'm here. And I, I'm, I'm with uh, all the guys. I'm in Fantasy Stoner's Hot Box League. Uh, and uh, I, my redraft is now minimal. My redraft is, you know, Scott Fish. Uh, it's a couple other, you know, tournaments that we're in. And then I have two home leagues. So I'm going to fashion myself a redraft starter for the last 15 years I've played redraft. But um, I, I want to be in the dynasty community. And I think uh, I've got enough Calvin Ridley shares to, you know, stake my claim. And it's interesting. I was just... I don't know how many episodes it's going to be ago. I think two episodes ago, I was talking with uh, Faith at Leap of Faith, and she's just entering the dynasty community. What What are some of your biggest takeaways on the differences between the two? Well, I think I heard I heard your podcast with her. I listened to that; it was a great podcast, by the way. I love Faith. Um, yeah, she carried me too. I just she, sit here and uh, invite guests <laughs> on that can carry me through an hour of conversation. Go for it. She, she's outstanding. She's outstanding. Um, I think the thing that I needed to learn uh, is, and this is this was helpful too when when I jumped into XFL, is what I didn't know, and what I didn't know about Dynasty uh, besides Taxi and stuff like that uh, was the the Debbie and the long range projections and the chasing of of these recruits. I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know any of these guys really. I, I watched college football. Uh, my whole life. But then when I got married, my lovely wife, God bless her soul, uh, 15 years in, a couple weeks ago, uh, she's still married to me and I look like this. And I do the stuff <laughs> I do. So she, she is a saint. Just since um, this is an audio podcast, I'll tell you, he pointed at himself uh, and he looks exactly like Brad Pitt. So I don't really understand the yes. comments. Carry a on. 230 pound Brad Pitt. Uh, <laughs> uh, all muscle. You know, yeah. All, yeah. All muscle. Yeah, <laughs> now, now, now I forgot what I was the point of my conversation. Oh man, I'm, I'm totally lost. But no. So yeah, 15 years ago, she said, pick two sports because I'm an all sports guy. Like literally I would be watching right. hockey, watching football, taking down, you know, playing video games, taking down notes. So I picked hockey and, and the NFL because I'm a Caps fan, Washington Caps fan. And then I was a Washington football team fan for most of my life until about Eight years ago, six, seven years ago, I just stopped. It was just too much. I hated it all. They're a terrible franchise. They do terrible things. They are terrible people. I, I was done. And uh, I've been in fantasy football for about seven years at that point, redraft every year. Uh, but then I really turned a corner. I started looking at players as individuals and values, and um, it just it changed my outlook on, on football. And, and I didn't like a team. I liked football, which I always had loved. But now I love football. Uh, and so I don't really, I didn't really know much about college. And that's where this year I've just gotten back into understanding where these guys are coming from, uh, where, where their metrics are, where their prospect scores are, and how that translates into future success, where they're, they're picking in certain rounds. Um, and so I, I just didn't know that. I just was something in redraft, you know, I, I would go after rookies. I got Miles Sanders last year in the seventh round and I held him and he was outstanding. But I think, if I would have been in Dynasty before, I just would have had a much broader understanding of where these guys have been, what their expectations were, what their metrics were, what their projections were, how they would translate. And I'd be ready to kind of pick those guys up uh, in redraft. So, I mean, I feel dangerous now after being in, you know, I'm in John Helmkamp's, one of one of his fantasy leagues and Stoner's fantasy league and a bunch of different fantasy, uh, dynasty leagues. They're, they're, um, they're educating me every day. Uh, my first draft ever, uh, John ripped me up and down you know, made fun of me about all the players I drafted and when I draft them. And it was good. I didn't understand the value. I didn't understand where players health, age and health and, and those things factored in. So. 
Yeah, I think um, no, that's it's a big subject, right? Um, I still think my best way of I still think the best way I have of boiling down the difference is that value itself exists in Dynasty, which is really not a feature of redraft. And I think the more complicated, the deeper we've gotten, we get into it, the more we lose sight of the fact that value is just another thing we can use to try to win the league. Now, that doesn't mean you trade, you know, all your good young players for the more productive older players that year, because then you can't win the next year and you're already in a rebuild. But it does mean that's essentially what its main value is. The value of value is that you can use that to help you win in your league, which you can't in redraft. You can't say, I'll give you this rookie now because he's going to be worth more later for this productive player. And that's a decent deal in Dynasty. Whereas in redraft, it's like, no, <laughs> there's no point in that. value exists. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that the only thing you can do with that value is buy points. And you can try and buy points later or you can try and buy points now. Um, and there are values can go into an extremes where I'm going to try and buy all the points for the next two years, but none of the points this year. And there are viable, there are always viable draft strategies that try and emphasize the edges in the variables in a game, whether it's risk or whether it's fantasy football. But you're really into Robert Woods, you mentioned. Why yeah. for? Is it because you're a nerd and there's a stat out there that like proves that he's going to be better than, uh, you know, Julio Jones this year or something? No, I, I think, honestly, talking about value, um, you know, you touched on it. it. It's where his ADP is compared to where he's being drafted. And I think when it comes down to redraft, let's say this year going into 2020, um, you know, I'm not going to um, – let's just not taking COVID completely out of it because it's going to be a different year. But, um, you know, looking at my projections for, for Robert Woods, I have him and Cooper Cup both at 138 targets. So I, it's, there's not some huge disparity in targets with him and Cup. Um, I have cut for more receptions. I have um, cut for a couple more yards and I have cut for like one more touchdown. So it's, it's not that, um, you know, I actually have cut for you know a little bit more points than him, but you're getting cut a lot earlier in these drafts in the redraft. He, he is ahead of Robert Woods and that, that's, that ADP has been shrinking. Um, and if it shrinks to the point where they're neck and neck, then Robert Woods isn't a value to me. Um, but if, if him and Cooper cup both can sustain, you know, that, and there's not somebody who gets more targets than anybody else, you know, they're, they're going to be in the top 20 wide receivers, both of them. And Robert Woods is being drafted outside of that right now. Uh, and so between cup and, and, and Robert Woods, I like them both, but I think that the value is more with Woods because he's not being valued where he should be being valued. Where does that put you on the tight end situation? When thinking about the That's division a- of labor and opportunity, I mean, that plays in, right? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a Hig, I'm not a Higby guy. I'm an Everett guy. And I think it's more so because of that value. Uh, if you're going to pay up front for Higby, he's got to produce for you. And I think that that's like the, the, the Clyde Edwards layer uh, conundrum, really, if you're going to get somebody in the first round, if you're going to project somebody into that, bolt them into that first spot, they need to produce because their margins are way thinner than uh, they were before when they were being drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round, whatever. So if you're going to put Higby up there, with, with the top, you know, 12 tight ends and you're going to go after him and he's a, one of your guys, uh, I'm not confident in that because his target share came whenever it was hurt. And yeah, they, they were in a groove uh, and they were running a lot of 12 personnel, which they are going to run this year, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do the same thing they did last year. And I think what we have to do in fantasy is we need to think about how systems run. 
how offense is run. And the, 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 the target number isn't Higby's going to get all these targets. It's the position. The position got these targets. So last year in the offense that you know produced the most plays in the NFL, you had a lot of targets for, for the tight end position. You know, so he had last year Higby had 89 targets and Everett had 60 targets. You know, that's ridiculous. Now that's 150 targets for your tight end position. That's one of the most in fantasy football. So they're gonna maybe they don't do that this year. Maybe they don't run out 12 personal that much. Um, maybe they're in 11 more or 10. I don't know. I, I think I think they will run a lot of 12 personnel this year. I, I I think that the tight ends will be on the field. It doesn't mean that Higby is gonna get all of those targets. So in in the in the grand scheme of things, I think they're both neck and neck and that gives Everett the edge because he's being drafted several rounds later for me or not even drafted at all he might be just somebody who i let sit there i know i'm going to pick him up in the first couple weeks when he does blow up i'm already ready for it (laughs) does that make you concerned about the running back position i mean the the team targeted the running back position uh, at a much lower rate than average if i remember right and with you know todd Gurley on the roster so are we down on you know darrell henderson or cam Akers? Do you think one of them can be a top 12 on a team that's producing one of the top play numbers um, in the NFL last year and has had success? And hopefully these wide receivers help carry the team. Where, where are we at with that? You know, I, I, I think Cam Akers has upside. I do like his upside uh, if he can, can garner more of those, those uh, carries. I don't know what the, the split's going to be right now. And so in, in my split, I put Cam above Henderson. Um, Henderson's 3.8 you know, yards per carry is terrible. I mean, honestly, it's not good. Uh, I know that the, the Rams in general, their offensive line had injuries last year and they, they suffered. They weren't as strong as they were before. Uh, they've had some retirements. They've had some changes. So you know, I think projecting either one of these guys as a top 12 back is um, it's not wishful thinking, but it's kind of projecting like the, the breakout uh, ceiling uh, of Cam Akers. I don't, I don't think Henderson is going to be that breakout. Um, if, if Henderson is terrible from the break in training camp and, you know, we'll get to see hopefully on hard knocks, how it kind of plays out. If he's terrible, I'm not going to say Cam can't jump up there and, and, and take, you know, that, that position and maybe run with it. But because I don't know that there's not, there's volatility in that. I'm not, I can't say in my draft that I'm going to get him as my, you know, RB two and feel great. Um, if I got him as my RB three, and he turns out to be an RB2, I think I'd be thrilled. And if he turns out to be an RB1, I'm winning my league. Um, so, I'd just like to point out to the audience, I know he sounds just like another super nerd, and he kind of is. But you got to realize <laughs> I'm talking to a man with like a, like a, a Game of Thrones. I look up pictures of the show so because I tried to reference it in a video recently, and I realized I didn't know nothing about it. But like a Game of Thrones <laughs> level beard. To a man at eleven thirty at night, indoors on a podcast, wearing mirror sunglasses, like this, does not present as a nerd. I'm just telling you, he presents as a tape grinder. Now, <laughs> I'm also um, drinking scotch out of a beer glass, scotch so. out of a beer glass, right? <laughs> um, why? What? What happened to these rookies? Like this was one of the most historic running back and wide receiver classes of since X. You know, all your you, all your tape grinders were running around telling me about how awesome they were going to be, and now we're worried about projecting top twenty four upside for like an all round do it all running back with the production numbers in a historic class with the draft capital in the second round and a decent hit rate and a productive team. And you're like, maybe a running back too, like. 
what what why what why so cold where, where yeah what happened to get make you tape grinders also you know or presenting tape grinders or also timid around rookies like i thought you guys were the ones with the guts you know what happened so, so i i will say this when cream hunt was a rookie uh you know before the injury i had him in the sixth round and i actually got him in the sixth round that year he was a rookie then the injury hit and so I'm not averse to rookies. I do like rookies. I, I think what I want to see is... And they do it mostly in their first and second years, right? There's no they, reason we should be like, let's play the long game with a running back. No, or am no, I wrong? I mean, no, I might... you're, you're 100% right. I think what concerns me is the... the and maybe there's a more balanced attack this year, is, is the 400 attempts that the, the Rams had last year with Todd Gurley. And so... If you're only going to run the ball 400 times with somebody who, you know, previously had, you know, set records in fantasy football, or at least, you know, top 10 finishes of all time, I know because I played against him when I had Kareem Hunt that year. And, right. uh, you know, he scored 60 points to Kareem Hunt in, in the, you know, week 15 when Kareem Hunt scored 50 and I lost by 10 points. So, um, you know, I, I, that that concerns me. I don't know if the balance is going to be there. I think that was to make up for the, the the offensive line issues. And if they can nail down that offensive line and their offensive line does come out intact, I can I can see my projections pushing him more. I, I don't know what McVay is going to do uh, with with a rookie. I've never seen him have a rookie back before. And so I he's definitely I think Cam Akers is somebody who could be a steal and who could. Um, you know, I have him projected for eight touchdowns. So it's not like I think he's going to be terrible. You know, I have him as my, my RB20. Um, so I, I do like him. Um, but I, I don't know if the Rams are going to. You just don't think he's as good as Kareem like. Hunt. I get it. Yeah. I, you know what? I'll get him before the, I'll get him before the sixth round. I'll tell you that. In redraft, I'll get him before the sixth round. Um, I think by the end of the season, he, he has Miles Sanders um, type end of the season, not production, but breakout that's when he's going to break out i don't think he's going to break out in the beginning uh, of the year am, i think he'll I, break out more in the end am i losing my mind but that seems like a lot more muted of a take like we were a lot more excited about this running back class and cam Akers even specifically than we were about miles sanders coming in we saw the potential we had a, a lot of receiving chops we were worried about the split in that less productive offense um the year before Whereas Cam Akers doesn't have those problems and he's much more of a rusher than Sanders was coming in. And there's much less of a team history of splitting the workload drastically. Um, Like Todd Gurley was, is Todd Gurley still, but the team clearly faded his role a little bit, even though he had a higher role the year before, it seems to suggest something and then let Todd Gurley leave. So that seems to suggest something about, how they felt about that and then they went and drafted cam Akers. so you see so what I i'm have... saying like why are we why are we hoping for miles sanders upside for a prospect in a better situation that we're a lot higher on in their in their evaluation coming into the season like so i'm honestly we, confused I... by that because i like running backs ain't my gig man I, I... <laughs> so, so where, where do you for for henderson in his role in this, where, where do you see him? Just, do you see him falling off completely? Do you see him getting a, a 25% carry split? Do you see him being eclipsed by Malcolm Brown? Is, or, I mean, what, what is, um, what, how does that backfield play out for you? you you're, you're kind of just seeing Cam eventually getting into that girly role. Um, yeah. 
more, yeah, sooner than I see it, I guess. And I didn't see Henderson even eke out a decent running back to workload on that team behind Todd Gurley. And Cam Akers right. no, he's, he's not Todd Gurley, but yeah. he might be where the team certainly, and uh, I really think um, as a prospect, he's as good, if not better, than what the team seemed to think Todd Gurley was last year, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that's, and cheaper and everything else rolled into that. So I don't know why I'd expect Henderson to suddenly balloon up. Like his rookie profile was thrilling on some of the ancillary numbers, which, you know, don't yeah. always work out, but they're very interesting in terms of you know, Scott Barrett's um, yards after contact and breakaway tackles and those kind of things, which are interesting. But I've never seen a decent enough sample size. I can say whether they're sticky or not. But they do have, um, they do describe talents that the player has or was displaying in college very well, which is useful. But it really didn't turn up in the NFL behind a good back. So I don't know why it would balloon up in the second year behind a good back. Like, I think yeah. he could be better than he was. And I think at his price, if we're talking about value, sure, Darrell Henderson had great things on his rookie profiles. I don't want to forget him. But, like, I don't if, – if I think Cam Akers is good enough and the team we know is good enough to produce a top 12 running back season, then why am I more muted on him than – like, why am I putting him in a Miles Sanders projection in his rookie year instead of really hoping for that top 12 upside? Like, yeah. instead of it being, you know, it's possible because everything's possible. Why isn't that like, mm, I really think this guy could do it. And that would make him a great value in his ADP. I, like, I, I think... Do, I do... Yeah, I still think he's a great... I do think you're right. He's a great value. Um, so, he he's being taken... I did uh, not right have this many, this much uh, emphasis behind my Cam Akers take. I really didn't. <laughs> well, well, I, mean, right I didn't now, know I cared I mean, this much, by the way. Like, it's okay if you disagree. I'm just, not, like, just off the top of my head. Like, that's the story that's in my head. What part uh, um, does, does any of it seem like, well, you know, you have, you're exaggerating yeah. this or whatever. Well, so, so right now on, and maybe fancy calculator is not the best tool to look but just today his adp today he's in the the middle of the sixth round he's the 28th running back being taken that's terrible uh i mean that's a great i mean it's 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 great it's actually what it is it's great and so right for somebody right. like I, I i mean i would love to grab him in the sixth round because he does have that i mean in my projections this is what's nuts i have him as the the 20th rb i still have him for 200 carries you know i only have henderson for 100 i i gave um you know, I gave Cam Akers, Akers 50% of the carries, and then I gave Henderson 25% because I don't believe in him. I don't. I, I've seen Cam Akers. He is better on, on film, uh, as, as you would say, than, than, <laughs> Henderson, than Henderson looked on film last year. I'm comparing just the two years as you know, different games, of course. But, you know, I think Hen we thought Henderson was going to be something, and now I, we don't think he's going to be something. Um, and so – I think he does fit that model of of a breakout running back uh, who is is undervalued. I just don't have him in that. I think Jonathan Taylor is somebody if he grabs hold of that backfield uh, who has a better chance of breaking into the top twelve who's not being drafted than top twelve. Um, only a little bit more slightly because you know DeAndre, DeAndre Swift's there too. I think the top four came uh, Cam, Cam Akers has the probably the the most sneaky. Uh, upside out of all of those, uh, according to their draft, uh, you know, stock because Swift's in the fifth round. So I, I do like what you're saying. You, you're you're not um, swaying me per se, 
because I'm my, my projections <laughs> still have him have him high, but he is definitely a great value. Um, I still can't put him in the in the top twelve yet, but if he does break out, I'm gonna say you know Peter Howard said it first. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to slay Scott Simpson. I'm not suicidal. Okay, I don't slay need me, to be made into an infamous meme on the internet. I'm not taking that on. I'm not that brave. Don't okay. worry about it. <laughs> but um. Or, or video reaction, or whatever you would uh, decimate me with. Um, <laughs> not not at all. I just to, to you, never, never, never. I think there is a. <laughs> sorry, man. And um, any time, man. You, I, I, I would love that, but um, there does seem to be a muted expectation for rookies, and usually that's what. I, yeah, we shouldn't expect overly for rookies. They're unproven. I mean, we know more about NFL players, but like it's almost getting to the point now where even I'm like, well, even I'm, I'm just a regular dynasty player, but I do see like, why are we so muted? Like there's no one we think who has decent upside at the running back position in a strong class on good teams. It's just a little, well, they've got good backups. Don't we usually think that the guy that was drafted decently or highly even edges out the decent backup that they just had on their roster like it, i don't know there seems to be a muted nature of them. talking about projections um so everyone just turned off and we're like oh they got oh, a nerd shit, oh shit. i i do do you project <laughs> injuries or like partial seasons when you do projections or do you project everyone more or less you know, if they play full season because one of the I things mean, i f- and just before i forget it sorry didn't mean to ask a question and then tell you to shut up <laughs> Really didn't mean to do that. But one of the things I struggle with in doing whole scale projections is I notice that production overall is way infl- can in- be incredibly inflated compared to historical averages. And by that, I mean like the top 24 wide receivers are just creating way too many receiving yards compared to historically the number of receiving yards you can expect from all top 24 wide receivers or all top 12. And that's because I don't adjust, I don't pretend I know what the distribution's going to look like when I'm doing seasonal projections. So yeah. even if I limit by injury, I just spread it out over the entire season. Like there are a few players will dot games and limit on a per game basis, but I don't sketch out what the projection is going to be each week. And so it, it can, it runs, tw- it has a tendency to lead towards projecting overproduction, which is actually decent because it, it, it does it at the same level for everyone. So, but you also want to get the numbers in realistic expectations. So your projections don't look freaking ridiculous, you know? And, um, but do you yeah. struggle with any of that when you're doing projections or? I, I definitely do. And I think one thing that I've struggled with particularly is uh, the Houston wide receiver group uh, as I've been projecting them uh, right now. I only put Will Fuller for 15% of the targets because uh, I, I don't know if he is going to be healthy. He's not played a full season, and he doesn't play full seasons. And he had hamstring surgery over the break, which is good. I'm glad he had surgery, I, I guess, because that hamstring had not been fixed with it, whatever therapy he'd been getting. So maybe right. it, it changes. Um, and maybe as the season goes on, and, and the tool that I use, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, it's not some big secret. I use uh, Kyle Yates' tool that he, he put out from Fantasy Pros, and I, I put my own spin on it and put my own projections into it. But he's got a, he's got a pretty solid tool. And um, if he can be in that 20 to 20, you know, 23, 24% range of targets, which I think it's going to be hard to, to be, you know, in that offense um, consistently every game, like you said, there's going to be ups and downs. And he definitely is going to get more than 80 targets to have him projected for. But 
I, I have to bake it in a little bit because I don't know because he hasn't shown consistency for three seasons. I've, I've, I have some sample data. I think we have to use sample data on, on individual players. I think we can't make it a broad spectrum, but um, you know, for him, I, for example, De, uh, Devonta Adams, he got hurt last year. I'm not going to put that into his projection this year because that was a one-offer right. for him. He had not been hurt any other season. I mean, a little bits here and there, but never missed it, you know, three, four games. So um, yes and no, depending on the, the context. And that's, yeah, that's exactly it in a nutshell. Cause you want to go per game. They're stickier. They tell you more about what the player does, but then if you don't adjust for games missed that just because we're not doing distribution, it can really balloon the production up. Like, I would expect Will Fuller to have a lot more than 15% of targets per game, but you're yes. adjusting as somewhat for expecting um, him to miss time, essentially. Because, you know, I do think he's one of the easiest players to point to and say, without fear of being owned, because you've got a decent asterisk to put in there, <laughs> which yeah. is, he has top 12 upside. He had top oh, yeah. 12 upside on a depth chart with DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I don't think I can emphasize how much of a thing that, like, that... Right. It's, like, the reason that Calvin Ridley, despite being good, like, was always muted, muted, even though we saw some potential in him in touchdowns, at least, in his first year. It's, like, he didn't show the potential of eking out that level of target share. But the, the truth is, again, I say, but Julio Jones... But with Will Fuller, he's got a Julio Jones volume play, and he managed to get, like that's that's pretty impressive. In my, I don't see right. many examples of that, but like it's very easy and probably very obvious to go, yeah. But he's not gonna, he's not gonna be there sixteen games yeah. or fourteen games. And it, he's one of those players that's really difficult. The upside is all there, but even as not a doctor and not an injury prone truther, like I don't yeah. think that's something we can a moniker we can use, like it's hard to really hope for it. It is. It is. It's really tricky. And I mean, here's the thing. And so I will, I'll go into my projection tour right now, which is when I'll change him to from 15 to 23%. Uh, right. And I'll, I'll drop, I'll drop Kenny stills from 15% who I had at 15% um, down a little bit. And then, uh, you know, the cool part is that that gets will flow up to 121 targets. And, you know, now he's, you know, in that top 24. Um, but it, I hope he does that. I feel like you could get him in later rounds and he's going to be, if he breaks out, he's going to be a huge value. And I think all of these things, all of these wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, they're all good picks at a value. And, and, that, and that is, <laughs> we, we hate of, ADPs, no players. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, in, in my 20 Matthew dynasty Kelly leagues, Rivers. <laughs> in my 20 dynasty leagues i've got about 10 shares of calvin ridley and i've been getting them in the, the or not anymore but in the in march april may and june i got them in the fifth sixth seventh rounds and so to me that's outstanding value because you're not going to get them in redraft in your sixth seventh fifth sixth seventh rounds. that's anymore. just like the dynasty get out of jail free card isn't it? it's like i really want clyde edwards hilaire but i'm grateful i took him before his current adp like now i have shares and i can talk about how awesome i am for drafting him but, but... i never made that bet is there a... okay this is a... again like always i don't prepare any of my guests i'm the worst no ever 
So this is that preparation. But is there a player you're willing to go to that extreme on? Not, hey, he's my favorite player ever. To reach he's on. He's at a decent value. I, I guess, but that seems like such a weaker question. It's like, no, who uh, do you go to the mattress on? Like, you can get him Calvin later. Ridley. But Calvin like, Ridley. That's I'm, the guy. I'm going, I'm, it's Calvin Ridley. Uh, I, I love him this year. I, I love him this year because, um, you know, I talked about it on my podcast last night with uh, my co-host, Mike Collins. is a great, 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 great best friend, best friend I've ever had. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he bet me uh, that Julio Jones is going to outscore Calvin Ridley. And I bet him that, that it's not true, that, that Calvin Ridley is going to outscore Julio Jones. And the reason I said that is not because I'm a crazy person. Um, it's because of the, the space that is created by Julio Jones for Calvin Ridley. Uh, it, it's, it's not that Calvin Ridley uh, is better than Julio Jones. It's that Julio Jones is so good that if you do not double team him uh, on a week to week basis, he will dominate you. And if you, if you double team him, he still might dominate you. And what that does is it creates a lot of space over the top, it, down the seam, down the, 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 the post for Calvin Ridley. And that's why Calvin so, Ridley has huge, you know, uh, plays last year. He had several plays, you know, over 40 yards for touchdowns. Uh, it, his upside, I think, will uh, project him, and maybe it's crazy, a little bit above Julio this year. That, that's where I'm going with it. So I appreciate that you're building into the take that Julio Jones is good and awesome and everyone should value him because that's absolutely right. Um, but why this year would be my question. Like, why this year is he going to be that? Like, all that was true last year. Yeah, I mean, it was all true last year, but I don't think the offense and Calvin Ridley had uh, matured. They had, you know, Sanu there last year. They shipped him out in the middle of the year. Um, You know, they had a tight end in Hooper who was targeted in the red zone consistently. Julio Jones, we know, gets double teamed in the end zone every single time he gets in the end zone. You can just just see it on the film. It's so discouraging as an owner of of Julio Jones to watch them get within the 10-yard line because the safety doesn't creep down into the box. He stands like five feet behind the DB, and you're like, shit, he's not getting the target, you know. Um, And, you know, Hayden Hurst maybe is sucking up all those touchdowns this year. I don't think he's going to suck them all up. Um, you know, I projected Calvin Ridley for nine touchdowns this year. And so that's where I – touchdowns you can't predict. So I'm saying that now. And then if he if he hits that, well, I'm a genius. No, I'm not at all. Because there's a variance in touchdowns that from year to year you cannot predict. Uh, you can predict, you know, yards per average. Regression a little bit. Regression, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, there's a bunch of things you can predict. So, But I, I do think that that space that Julio creates is going to benefit Calvin Ridley a lot this year. And he's matured. Uh, as a wide receiver, uh, his his each year his his yards per uh, catch have gone up, uh, and I think he's ready. You know, thirteen point seven was great last year, seven touchdowns. So you know, he had ten the year before. So nine isn't even that big of a spike. Uh, Julio does not catch touchdowns. Now, if Julio catches touchdowns. I'm fucked. <laughs> That's just there's no other way to say it. Sorry to the kids, um, but yeah, kids don't listen to me. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> even my kids. Yeah, Mine I just, I like the, I like the take. That's how it happens, right? Calvin Ridley has to have a touchdown year like he had in his first season in order for it to happen. And Julio Jones is still going to be Julio Jones. It's like, it's like saying he's going to Chris Godwin essentially. Like yes. it's not something you can predict because you understand no. the numbers and the variance and that Julio Jones is the guy and that he's putting up wide receiver two volume numbers even this early into his career. Great player, I can admit that. Interesting enough, by the way, his yards per team pass attempt 
is exactly the same, 1.32 for each season. So it's yards per catch and yards per reception, whichever one you said has gone up. So yards per team pass attempt has remained really stable. Just, just I don't know what that means. I just l- actually looked up numbers, which I don't normally do on a podcast because I hate quoting numbers. I just yeah. thought I'd look to see what your take in action. I kind of like it. He could be the same player, but get this overwhelming efficiency in touchdowns, and that's how it happens. Um, but like I say, it's not something you can predict. It's just something you're hoping for. And I get, I mean, he's yeah. shown ability in that role. I mean, that's what he did his rookie year. He was phenomenally efficient in the red zone. And maybe that's partly because of Julio Jones, but you know, screw you, Julio is better. Um, but, <laughs> but I get what you're saying. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And well, is it, that just something you see in Calvin? You love watching him play. He's good when you watch and you're like, that guy's going to do what we can't really predict. But you know, he, he's good. So he can, might do it this year. I, th- I think it's, it's also part of, uh, and you mentioned the wide receiver to moniker. You know, th- this year, um, I've been talking to, a few different people about you know and i've developed it's not it's not a fully working theory yet but i've been using it, it it's a uh it's a it's an understanding of where players are drafted and their value their inherent value or the perceived inherent value from from the the general public or from your drafting group that you're with uh compared to where they actually are going to finish and i looked at the the adp for wide receiver ones and then the finishing of wide receiver ones. And mm. yeah, you can you can predict wide receiver ones to you know and, and society or you know the general public did at about a two-thirds uh, clip, which is pretty good. That's a good percentage, you know, being able to pick the wide receiver ones. But um when you when you don't, or when you have a situation last year where you have Chris Godwin, who I picked in the fifth round, uh in it kind of fit into my wide receiver two mm-hmm. model of somebody who has a wide receiver one who is a top 10 wide receiver already, who's getting the volume, who's getting the targets. Uh, you know, the, the, the sneaky play is that single one-on-one coverage that they're getting. I think that that's where we, we don't think about it all the time. We think, oh, they're, 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 in, in, they're getting six targets, they're getting eight targets, they're getting this amount of, of you know, yards for, for average. Verbs. But if you're going to be in an offense with Julio Jones or Mike Evans or Antonio Brown two years ago with Juju Smith-Schuster, who I also got in the fifth round, um, those are those are candidates. You know, maybe Tyler Boyd this year. Um, AJ Brown's not being drafted in the first couple rounds, so it's a different situation. But those guys who are the the number twos on their team, who maybe they're not going to be the number ones, but compared to their value, you're going to be getting more of a number one than you are getting a number two in that position. Yeah, um, it's an interesting way of looking at. It. Uh, what it reminds me of is pointing out that like 12 teams a year don't have a top 24 wide receiver. So in other words, like four, I think it's four to five teams. Jacob, Jacob Rick Road did the average on it once and actually produced two top 24 wide receivers each season. So not all wide receiver twos on a team are created equal. And even exactly. when you bunch them into these are the guys who are going to be top 24 fantasy wide receivers. So wide receiver twos for the position, not for their team. And then you still see a difference. It's interesting you mentioned Tyler Boyd because he's someone I'd probably put a little bit of a separation. Like, I love Tyler Boyd. I think he's going to be and is a top 24 wide receiver like Calvin Ridley. But to your point about Calvin Ridley having displayed upside and with touchdown efficiency in that situation, I think, one, he's someone that proves that the narrative of the the other wide receiver takes coverage is fickle. And, you know, that's what I mean by narrative, I guess. That's true. Because, you know, he did better 
when AJ Green was on the field. That doesn't mean that AJ Green's on the field, therefore Tyler Foyd better. It just shows that you can also struggle with that, that uh, or, or you can succeed well, I mean, I better I... with that right receiver one. Well, um, I, I, yeah, so I love Tyler Boyd as top 24, but I would maybe edge Calvin Ridley over him as someone who's displayed another source of value, not just targets and yards and being a top 24 wide receiver, but this variance in touchdowns in that situation. Sorry, what, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I, I was I was agreeing with you, and I was saying that it the, the Tyler Stop Boyd it, situation... I know. The Tyler Boyd situation, <laughs> it, it almost proves proves me right, because when he was the number two, he was more efficient than when he was the number one you know when, when he was given that role he was more productive and I think that's what we have to look at is who are the wide receiver ones kind of hiding in wide receiver two roles who when they get put into wide receiver one roles maybe they're not as efficient maybe you know Calvin Ridley could not be Julio Jones I don't think he could be I think if no. Julio Jones retires Calvin Ridley is not being Julio Jones he's going to be and that's not shade less. like no no uh, no Jones one really of, has no. been Julio Jones so yeah I, we're good dude, <laughs> Julio Jones is one of the the top maybe 10, few, you know, 12 fine. wide receivers in the history of the game. He is the prototypical wide receiver. His frame is ridiculous. He is so strong. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's but, like saying, well, you're not as healthy or muscly as an NFL player to us. It's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I can accept that. And it's not insulting. Yeah, it's fine. Right. <laughs> well, and, and if you can get Tyler Boyd in the eighth round, you know, that that's value. You know, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, you get Brandon Cooks in the seventh round, that's not value unless he really does really well. I mean, maybe it is some value, but, you know, on that team, <laughs> unless he breaks out. I gave it away a with a head mouse, tilt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do like Brandon Cooks, too. I'm not against Brandon Cooks. But, you know, when, when you have a – I would just say this. When you have a clear number one, I think that number two – is is a little bit easier uh, in, in those in those specific you know, situations. We have a, a strong number two to project them outperforming their ADP compared to where where not maybe the the, the experts have them, but where the where the general public has them. Because I, I do go with the experts a little bit more than the general public. Uh, sorry, general public. With, with there's too much love going on here. We we well, love I, everyone. I think... Everyone's a very who sucks. Dude, can can I flip the script yeah. on you? Who isn't a yeah. wide receiver? Who isn't a number two? Hee <laughs> hee. Um, but is being so. drafted like that, or like who do we hate here? Um, and I'm not trying to hate completely. Uh, hate. hate, 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 hate. Flow. <laughs> and his camera. I hated so hard. I knocked his camera over. Sorry, uh, technical de- difficulties here. There Sorry you are, buddy. That. Did I Sorry hate a little that. bit too hard? My <laughs> phone. T- my phone collapsed. No, it was, it got, it cri- no, I saw no, him fall. Hate, hate, hate. Um, uh, I can. I can tell you, there's a few people I hate outright, and I'll give you their their names right now and their addresses and where they live. They live. They live. <laughs> they live in New England. Her oh. name is Sony Michelle, and I hate him to the point where uh, I was in a in a mock draft with Denny Carter, just a mock draft with him that he invited me into. It was for it was for patrons. It was not like you know I randomly got in there. He picked Sony Michelle, and I started openly mocking him on Twitter, and, and that's a couple months ago. And he said, "What's what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this to me?" You know, <laughs> and I was just like, "I know you love me, but I hate Sony Michelle that much." And I, I mean. Honestly, the the, the Patriots backfield has never been one that we've you know lauded as like the, the one to pick. You're getting like Derek Blunt when he scored you know 75 touchdowns. You got him in the eighth round, ninth round, tenth round. That's what won you your league. It wasn't because you projected Garrett Blunt to be a great running back. You know, 
mercurial is is an understatement when it comes to describing you know Belichick. But for my money, I don't think that he likes inefficiency, and especially when it comes to his running backs. And, and Sonny Michel is not an efficient runner. He has got the, the he gets tackled the first person who touches and tackles him every time. Uh, yards after contact are like negative. So I think there's just a, a right right spot right there for for Damian Harris this year to bust out uh or or Lamar Miller Lamar Miller right yeah I was gonna say I'm gonna let you finish or whatever the saying is but like this seems like a little bit of a weak hate like everyone's like yeah okay yeah I don't think anyone's hurt like I don't think there are big Sony truthers out there drafting him like he could be a top five like some idiots said last year that was me by the way Oh, um so dra- that was a bad take. I drafted him. I drafted him um, last year. Me too. Uh yeah. in a few places. Um so yeah, I get it. I, uh, on board. Especially now Lamar Miller. So we got anyone that's a little more prime that might upset anyone? That might anger somebody. I don't like Chris Carson. That that might upset some people. That might you upset know. some people. Going I think he's the- a decent value right now. So yeah, that's more in the range. Well, yeah, what I mean you hate? more I, I mean, this is the thing is I don't want to per project injury i don't want to i don't and that's never right, how i do it right. we talked about that but that's fair. Uh, when you fracture your hip um th- that is uh one of the most uh you, you're turning your hip that's one of the most important things you do is you're pivoting you're swiveling you're 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 juking you're moving in i know he's not the, the best juker uh he's got great footwork by the way though for a big man who can get in mm-hmm. space and get to the next level he his feet are amazing um but i just I don't have as much faith in him getting as many as many targets he got last year as a bunch of targets he got last year. Um, and I see – I don't see DJ Dallas coming in and crushing that offense, but I definitely do see him coming in and stealing some of those targets away from him. And so the third round is, is where – I got him last year in the fourth round, and I loved it. In the third round this year, though, or maybe in the, the tail end of the fourth, ugh, I, I've got other guys I'm going to target. I'd rather target you know, Jonathan Taylor – I, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm David Johnson, even I'd rather get David Johnson, um, <laughs> Fair enough. you know, so there's just other guys around him. James Connor's being drafted around him too. I'd take James Connor over Chris Carson right now. Um, but yeah, if he shows sustained health over, you know, all of training camp, I could adjust him and move him back up, but I'm not going to live or die on Chris Carson this year. That's for sure. Is there a wide receiver? Well, yeah. Run back the easy to hate on. Yeah. there's a, <laughs> yeah. Injuries, man. Um, well, let me throw. I'm putting too much work on you here. Do you hate AJ Brown at his ADP? You know, I don't hate AJ Brown at his ADP. I think that looking at his catch percentage last year and his his yards, they're going to come down. He's not going to be able to to get you know 20 yards a target. That's or 20 yards of reception. That's huge. Um, but he's going to get a lot more targets than he got last year. So. Um, it, it, he has elite speed. He is strong. He's got a huge frame. We can get in that second level and just push DBs and, and get by them. So um, I don't hate his ADP. Uh, you know, I, if, if I'm going to really crap on anybody, oh, Amari Cooper is somebody who I don't have faith in this year. And it's not because okay. he's not a great, not a great route runner or any of those things. It is that there are a plethora of, of elite players on his team. Uh, and I think when you're looking for mismatches, you know, CD Lamb coming out of the slot, or or even being the Y, or wherever he comes out of, uh, I think that's going to be a game changer for that offense. So, um, 
Amari Cooper being drafted in the fourth round, it's it's, it's okay. At the beginning of the fourth round, uh, I, I'm going to fade him to to closer to maybe the end of the fourth round um, because Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and Zeke, there, there's just so many mouths to feed. And I think that they have a great year, and I didn't, didn't lower their projections. I projected the whole Dallas offense for a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But – I just don't think it's going to be as uh, as single focused. You know, there's more people now to to feed, more mouths to feed. Scott, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Like, uh, I always have fun talking to you on Twitter, obviously, and watching your videos and listening to your takes. Um, what are you working on right now? Is there anything people should be keeping an eye out for? The Fantasy Millionaires Podcast uh, just launched. We had our second episode yesterday. Uh, we got into the rounds two and three of PPR redraft. Uh, also, you can find me at Nimble with Numbers on Twitter and at Nimble with or NimbleWithNumbers.com this year for DFS. Um, the Fantasy Millionaires is also online at TheFantasyMillionaires.com. That's going to be more redraft if you're into redraft. I'm going to have to expand to, fantasy, to, to Dynasty. Peter, I don't have the Dynasty chops yet to put my name on any, any Dynasty content and put it on the web yet. But... In a few years, after I've grinded, learned, I'll be up there too, eventually. I didn't know we needed chops. Like I probably should have uh, checked. I had. I don't think I have chops. But but, but yeah. welcome in, man. Everyone's welcome into the dynasty pool. Yeah, please do check out Scott at Nimble Nimbles on Twitter and dot com. I guess. Um, didn't know you had a website. That's very cool too. Uh, if nothing else, on his timeline, you'll meet London, who's his daughter, who's currently struggling with uh, cancer. And she is by far a happy, more lovable person than me, somehow, despite facing that fight. Um, and that's definitely something that, at least my day at least, at least reminds me not to be such an asshole uh, all the time, considering what some other people are going through. And they are actually better people than me while going through it. So <laughs> London's someone you should definitely go meet at least. On top of that, you also see some of the funniest sketches, videos, and posts, honestly, that you can experience in the fantasy footer football fantasy football damn it twitter world um scott's just really fun follow and really cool guy to talk about with fantasy football really appreciate you coming on the show ryan thanks i had a blast um and thanks to everyone for listening i will see you again next week you you did call me ryan you did call me ryan on that one just so you know fuck (laughs) yeah Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.